Hello and welcome to Reader Watch. We are your hosts. I'm Michelle and I'm joined by Ashton. Hello. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about Twilight. And when I say Twilight, I mean the four books in the main Twilight saga and Mm. then the five equivalent movies. Yeah, just because the movies were heavily based on uh, the four books in the main saga, we, of course, won't be touching on the three books that came afterward. Yes. Um, So read those at your own risk because I have not read them. I don't, Ashton, have you read those three? Not at all. So do do what you will with that information. (laughs) So typically I am a reader. In this case, that was was exactly how it played out. I read Twilight back when it was the hottest thing off the presses. Um, I read it as an avid fan, all all of it so aggressively. I've read it many times in the first like couple years of its of its fame. And I actually only I'd only seen the first movie up until this week. (laughs) Now I've seen all of the movies. (laughs) Um, So there was quite a bit of time between my first reading the book, my first viewing of the movies but I read first, as usual. Mm-hmm. And I'm typically a watcher. I usually like watching the movies first, although in this case, I actually read the books when it was the hotness on the high school grounds. Um, I don't know what that was. That's, that's, a, joke for you, that's, a, that's a joke for you visual listeners. Um, uh, but yeah, in this case, I read the books first before I watched the movies, uh, all of which I had seen um, upon the releases. So for those who are not familiar, I don't know how you're not familiar (laughs) with Twilight, but if you aren't, like, good for you that you've been able to just, I don't know, ignore the internet forever, maybe? (laughs) (laughs) So Twilight is a love story, um, a monster story, a supernatural story, but love story at its core. It follows our protagonist, Isabella Swan who is a high school student who transfers to Forks, uh, Forks, Washington, um, to live with her father. And there she meets this just stunning specimen of a boy named Edward Cullen. Um, And we're very soon introduced to the fact that Edward and his entire family are in fact vampires. Uh, These vampires do not necessarily follow the normal vampire tropes they can go out in the sun they do drink blood but this particular group of vampires are what they call vegetarians so they actually only drink animal blood um so it becomes this whirlwind romance between bella and edward because he is super thirsty for her blood and also loves her and she's just like enthralled by him and just super in love with him and the books really cover their relationship as they kind of go against the different obstacles that are both external and internal, um, with it all culminating uh, with Bella getting her ultimate wish of being with Edward forever. And That's... let's not forget the love triangle that takes place throughout the entire tetralogy. Yes, uh, yes, I, I, I hate it. Um, <laughs> yeah, there is in, in typical like young teen book fashion a la hunger games there is the of course typical love triangle in this case it is with bella's best friend jacob black who is a werewolf technically a shapeshifter but we'll get to that later um a werewolf for all intents and purposes right now yeah so the love triangle between the three of them 
gets a little wonky, gets a little messy. Um, I'm sure we will discuss it. But it's a very much like, will she, won't she? Who's she going to pick? Are you team Edward? Are you team Jacob? Which was the the conversation back in the day when all us young teeny boppers were reading this. Like, what team are you on? Uh, You choose your friends based on that. Because like, I couldn't be friends with your team Edward. Get out of here. That's team Jacob. (laughs) So before we dive in, I have to ask you, between Edward, Jacob, like what team were you on when you originally read the books? When I originally read the books? Yes. Because I was that kind of teen angst uh, sort sort of guy. It was team Edward at the time <laughs> how about you I, team jacob he like <laughs> had a special place in my heart uh when i first read those i was like i would pick jacob in a heartbeat and when we're done our review i'll, I'll let you know who i'd pick now because as an adult my choices change oh absolutely <laughs> so without further ado let's get into the main differences between the books and movies we won't necessarily go book by book it'll kind of come up as it comes up so just that's the discussion. If you haven't read or watched these things, you probably won't know what we're talking about. So, or you might, or this is enough for you to avoid reading and watching. And that that's your choice as well. Yeah, so, just to keep in mind that it is about the Twilight franchise. Yes, all of the Twilight <laughs> overall. All of the Twilight. <laughs> so I want to start, it's hard to pick where to start, but the main thing I truly want to start with would be the difference in the characters in the book versus the movie. Mm-hmm. Of course, every I feel like every character is portrayed slightly differently. Um, so I want to kind of go down the list of the ones that I think are the most dramatic and we can kind of talk about that. So yeah. the most dramatic change, I think everyone would agree, is probably Bella. And the reason for that is because in the books, it's all from her perspective, except for like one little chunk in the final book, Breaking Dawn, which is from mm-hmm. Jacob's perspective. So... We get a lot more of Bella's thought process and her reasoning of why she makes the choices she does, how she's feeling in the moment, that sort of thing. And while I think Kristen Stewart did her best in the role, it doesn't, like, you're not going to get those inner thoughts. You're not going to get that reasoning. So her character feels really different in the movies. Because it's just, it seems like her being stubborn a lot of the time. Yeah, and I think that, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but that is sort of, portrayed through the other characters that that's pretty much how they portray Bella and I mean that is a problem with turning into a movie is that without a running without a running commentary you're not going to get those inner thoughts mm-hmm. um so yeah I would agree with there with you there that Bella does definitely feels different in the movie mm-hmm. but that's just because you also don't get her inner monologues and her thought processes and you know just exactly where she's coming from yeah exactly And then going to the next person in my obvious list is Edward. And this is an interesting one because I actually fought with this a lot in my reread because also I I think I'm just going to say this statement, take it how how you want. I think the Twilight books happened at a very unique time. I think if these books had come out now for the age group that they were directed towards, it wouldn't wouldn't be popular. It wouldn't fly. But it came out when I was like young and naive and like unexperienced romantically so the things that edward mm. does in the books are like oh my god he's so romantic <laughs> da, 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 da. reading it now i'm like this dude is abusive he is manipulating her and he is gaslighting her like it's not a good relationship literally at all but yeah, i think the someone... difference sorry yeah, go ahead sorry yeah as someone who who again read them as a little teeny bopper and now you you definitely do get a different perspective from a you know once you're beyond those years 
Exactly. Like, I feel like it comes to a head specifically in New Moon when he returns after she's developed this relationship with Jacob and he won't let her see him. And that whole, like, the way he manipulates her in the book honestly pissed me off. I was like, how is she accepting that this is a thing? Like, I'm just trying to protect you by, like, dismantling your car so you can't go visit your friend. Yeah. You're not alarmed by that? Like, that's so alarming. So the thing I think that the movies actually do well is they, they really gloss over that. Like, they don't include that at all. He doesn't seem nearly as manipulative as he does in the book. So it, to me, feels more reasonable that she would end up with him. Because when I think about book Edward, I'm like, why would you pick this absolute dickwad? But then movie <laughs> Edward, it's like, it's really more focusing on him caring about her and protecting her, but not necessarily like bullying her the way he does in the books. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a pretty drastic, drastic change. But I think it overall actually makes it like more digestible <laughs> because yeah, my like- God. Yeah, like the movies do definitely have a more romantic vision of Edward, don't they? Like he's, mm-hmm. he's um, you know, despite him being what he is, he's a bit more a bit more of a human, you know. Yeah, totally, absolutely. So and I mean, I think that's. I mean, we talk about like you know Edward Bella. I think that has a lot to do with uh, the actors, you know, Kristen Stewart, mm-hmm. Robert Pattinson. Uh, you know, they, they they do what they do with the characters, and I think they actually do a good job of it, really. Yeah, especially in the in the as as the movies go on. Yeah, this is something that we had talked about when I was first telling Ashen that I had only seen the first movie because I hated it so much I never wanted to watch the other ones. <laughs> and the difference in quality and in in all facets between the first movie and then the remaining movies is significant. Like the yeah, first movie is really not good. It's very brutal. and they get better. <laughs> like the characters get more believable. The acting gets better. The like visual effects get better, the vampires look better. <laughs> like <laughs> everything levels up as the movies go on. So yeah. by the time we get to Breaking Dawn Part One and Two, it's it feels like a movie. Like oh, I was, yeah. I I had to watch Twi- like Twilight Number One over mm-hmm. about a week a week of time. I just had to watch it in chunks because I couldn't. Yeah. I like my my notes are LOL. Like literally, I wrote <laughs> LOL. There they are. LOL, a two-hour movie, Edward mind you. Smelter, LOL, Stephanie Meyer being in the diner, which like <laughs> we're gonna have. Let's have a moment for our girl Stephanie Meyer, the uh, author of the books. Mm-hmm. Um, she was in two of the movies. She did some pretty noticeable cameos. If you oh, yeah. pay attention, you're like, why is this random person being focused on? Like, why did they cut to this person? Yeah, that's the author for everyone who knows. So. In yeah. Twilight, the movie, she is the Stephanie at the diner. Here's your plate. Here's your plate of veggies, Stephanie. And then they give her a plate of vegetables, <laughs> like in the diner. That's the author. And then at the wedding of Edward and Bella, it cuts to this lady that we has no relevance to the story. That's that's good old Stephanie Meyer again. So yeah. So in case you wanted to see the author in the movie, there you go. There's a chance twice. Yeah, <laughs> that's what she looks like. There you go. <laughs> like that's the lady who. who brought this upon the world who unleashed this, <laughs> this masterpiece um, unleashed this <laughs> well honestly like i as much like flack as i want to give these books and i'm absolutely going to she did a lot like at the time the phenomenon that was twilight is actually like insane it's not of course like harry potter potter level but as far as book to movie adaptations go like twilight is iconic 
Yeah, absolutely iconic. I don't think it's an understatement to say that, you know, for as much flack as people give Twilight, that it is in its own sort of way, uh, cultural staple and in, in the sense of say, you know, film adaptations and, and especially, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Young adult fiction. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things that, that you, you easily saw things, uh, uh, you, you saw it like affecting how things were done from that point forward. So yeah. It yeah, paved the way for like Hunger Games, Maze Runner, like all the adaptations we're starting to see now, like Twilight really paved the way for those, I think. Yeah, so I think we'll so. give it that. We'll give it that. <laughs> I'll, give you, I'll, I'll, I'll give you those props. Just a little, little props. <laughs> so moving to the next character, I think in this in this just lineup, we have Jacob Black. Yeah. Yeah. My boy, <laughs> my boy Jake. Uh, love him in the book. Don't love him in the movie unfortunately and i think in their attempt to create more romance between edward and bella and focus on that relationship jake got sidelined it never felt like felt like in the movie he was a viable option for bella whereas in the books it felt like he was a viable option because in the movie he's just like a petulant child they remove a lot of the good qualities about him and a lot of like the conversations he has with bella that aren't dramatic and aren't fights and aren't negative. Um, a lot of that yeah. I think is lost for time, reasonably so. Mm-hmm. And we know like she's not going to pick him in the end because um, yeah, he like, gets an, another option. Yeah, and like mind you, like they are, <laughs> which we'll touch on later. Yeah, uh, but yeah, and like they, you know, they are already pushing the runtime to with like two hour movies. So again, mm-hmm. the, the nature of adaptation and all that. Um, yeah, and like he, I, I don't know, he, he does definitely does get his moments of being personable you do get that from like you know from him from Lautner's performance mm-hmm. um, but I mean it's like you say there's just not enough time to develop him as the character he should have been in the books yeah and one thing I want to just I can't not talk about this because this is something Ashton and I talked about when we were just watching the movies and reading the books is Taylor Lautner specifically mm-hmm. so this dude was 16 years old in the first movie and then the first movie came out in 2008 the second movie came out in 2009 so he's 16 17. this dude this poor young child like he is young like think about that age unless you're watching this and you're 16 and you're like that's not young but anyone else <laughs> think about who you were when you were 16. this young guy got thrust into a world of older women lusting after him he was voted one of the sexiest men at like 16 17 years old yeah. and then all the pressure that went with that like there there's been a lot of interviews and things with him of like how did you handle being a sex symbol at 16 i think it's becoming more of a conversation like with the britney spears documentary there was a lot of conversation around like how old she was when she became a sex symbol taylor lautner is the male equivalent of that and i think that's really interesting and nobody really talks about that because watching the movies i'm like he's set up to be like physically attractive like he's he's jacked he's muscular he looks so good and then you see like edward he looks like a dead thing (laughs) and like (laughs) that like specifically in uh what is it eclipse no new moon i think when like you see you got lots of shirtless taylor Lautner, and then you get a little shirtless uh um Uh, pattinson there you go (laughs) you get shirtless pattinson and you can't help but be like (laughs) oh Um, I think there's something to be said for for just like the impact that role actually had on him because he's done stuff stuff since then 
but he like kind of transitioned into being a regular dude for a while after that because of all the pressure and I respect that and I feel sad for him because I think he was a really good part of the movie like his acting not just his body was impressive yeah he was definitely one of the acting highlights for, for me anyway like you know he sold the character for me and you know for as rocky as say some of the directions have been um he, i don't know if there was a moment when he really failed to sell the emotional character that's that's mm-hmm. going through at that point in the, in the story mm-hmm. totally i completely agree so now let's just let's just talk about some some of our favorite some of our favorite casting our favorite characters because there is a huge cast in yeah. the books and the movies and they nailed some of these people. Oh yeah, and even like you know, getting not even getting into like the characters themselves because full disclosure, I've always held that Twilight is a as a franchise is a story about unremarkable main characters surrounded by insanely fascinating side characters. Mm-hmm. So we'd be here for six hours if 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 I just didn't stop myself. <laughs> but yeah, like there there's a a number of characters to talk about. Charlie. Like he mm-hmm. is a is a like Billy Burke sells that dad character, and mm-hmm. like even on a, on like a, a, a as a character himself, like he's really fascinating to watch. Like how he reacts to everything that's going going forward, um, yeah. and you know even the, the dad of the Cullens, Carlisle, uh, he's he's a great character. I think um, was it Peter Asinelli? Yeah, last yeah. name I can never remember. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, cast list this big. I hope you'll forgive me that <laughs> yeah. much. We're going to get a lot of the cast names <laughs> wrong. I'm going to be referring to the Wikipedia a lot, but that's yeah. not to say they're not talented. There's just too many of them. Yeah. Uh, like, as the father the father figures, Carlisle and uh, I'm just going to refer to them as characters. Uh, yeah. Uh, Carlisle and Charlie were very interesting for me to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even, like, you know, just see, you know, see them in the book watch them in the movie the, those those ones were always very interesting to me uh, i know there were certain members of the cullens that stuck out to us jasper mm-hmm. yes uh, who uh was played by jackson rathbone i believe mm-hmm. good old soccer yeah. <laughs> oh that's disappointing <laughs> <laughs> but yeah another great character i think uh rathbone does a great job of perform of uh, portraying just what that characters uh kind of portrayed to be in the books mm-hmm. especially after the first movie uh, yeah when he's actually given time like screen time and and lines he yeah. is he's perfect as jasper because jasper has this really nuanced and complicated backstory that they don't have time to go into fully in the movies and like i get mm-hmm. it and i respect it they do enough i think that it makes sense why his character behaves the way he does the only gripe i have with it is in Breaking Dawn the book, he has a lot of issues around how well Be- Bella's doing as a newborn because he did so poorly as one. Mm-hmm. And he has this like existential crisis in the book that's really, really powerful. And like they don't even remotely touch on it. There's like this tiny nugget of a scene where he has to leave the room in the movie. And there's no explanation behind it. There's nothing really there, but like the thought process from the book behind that is huge because he when he was a newborn was raised in this world of murder and hate and he's slaughtering humans left right and center and he kind of wants bella to like 
not necessarily fail, but struggle with being a newborn. So he won't feel so bad because he's the newest member of the Cullen family until Bella mm-hmm. comes around. And when he sees her just thriving as a vampire, he kind of has to question like, was I weak? Like, why Why did I experience things the way I experienced them? And I just think like, that to me is huge. And I think like the actor would have been able to kill, like kill that if that was allowed to be put on screen. Oh, yeah. like, that would have been amazing. It would have been also yeah. so dark though. <laughs> like 100%. Twilight is surprisingly dark for what it actually is. Like the yeah. backstories of the Cullens in particular, besides my boy Emmett, who just died because he decided to fight a bear. True. <laughs> uh, which is like very, very in line with his character. But everyone else's backstory is so unbelievably dark yeah. and very like overshadowed by like the melodrama of Bella and Edward's relationship. Oh yeah, and even like when you go into the backstories of other characters, I think of the Volturi, you know, the mm-hmm. this top of the chain vampire government. Uh, mm-hmm. Like they have they insane, like uh, they have their own little dark backstory as well. And mm-hmm. then you get into like the Denali's or yeah, you know, everyone else, everyone else, <laughs> every other vampire <laughs> character, or even I, I let me rephrase every other supernatural character. Because the backstory of like Jacob and the werewolves, I'm gonna keep doing quotations because it's a revelation yeah. in the final book that they're actually shapeshifters. They're not werewolves. The form they choose just happens to be a werewolf based on like the spirit warrior story, which is a beautiful story they don't do justice mm-hmm. to in the movie, literally at all, because it's such a sick story. But I digress. Um, but the the whole backstory and like the legends of the werewolves slash shapeshifters is really glossed over. Not much time is spent into it. Like the only time spent on it is to feed the vampire story. Yeah, like these movies are disappointing. Yeah, these movies are primarily about the, the vampire dramas, not so much the I'm just gonna keep saying for all intents and purposes, the werewolves. Yeah. Um but yeah. They they are primarily uh, vampire movies, which I so I can kind of get why they were glossed over, but at the same time, yeah, you do love to you you would have loved to have seen more of that, wouldn't you? absolutely like i mean obviously I'm, i was team jacob so like any more jacob would have been cool but i just find i found their stories just i don't know really fascinating like the idea of the legends and the passed down through the generations to me which is really interesting seeing the impact that the vampires have on the werewolves mm-hmm. and the tribes and how they really relate to each other like that to me is just fascinating and they don't really do enough like with the nuances of that unfortunately mm-hmm. because like they uh, they gloss so I'm, I'm like i'm mad about a lot of things but <laughs> as it relates to the werewolves the thing that they really really gloss over is how devastating it is to become a werewolf they don't really do that in the movies they're like oh it's so fun yay like even in breaking dawn in the final movie final movie when suddenly the youngest kids in the tribe are becoming werewolves just like that one kid turns into a werewolf and jacob's right there like it's all good and then they're laughing and having a good time absolutely not it's a devastating process it's absolutely terrifying it wrecks your family and it's heavily alluded in the books that harry clearwater so seth and leah's dad who dies in the movies from a heart attack because of victoria he actually it's heavily alluded that he died of a heart attack because both his kids changed like that's what actually is supposed to happen to him because the devastation i think it's 
primarily of Leah becoming a wolf because she's the only female like there's no females in the legend to ever become wolves so her mm-hmm. becoming one is very like traumatic for the entire family yeah another thing that gets glossed over in the movies by the way oh my gosh so glossed like she, she just seems like an asshole in the movies she is such a beautifully nuanced character in the books and I'm mm-hmm. so devastated that she doesn't get her justice like at all in the movie because her and and Jacob end up having this like really healthy unhealthy relationship because they're both like really damaged in a similar way her because of Sam her ex-boyfriend like leaving her because he imprinted on her cousin and then Jacob with his like wanting of Bella can't have her that thing so they have this and because also glossed over pretty heavily in the books um, the world, wolves can be in each other's minds like they constantly get each other's thoughts when they're in wolf form mm-hmm. so they know each other on a level that no one else will ever know them so they're able to relate through their pain because they both physically feel it together and that's just so glossed over and it's huge that's huge yeah in the movies it's, it kind of comes across as more of like a telepathy sort of thing like a, we can talk to each other when we want to but yeah it exactly. is like it's way more than that in the books and yeah it, it's, it's, it's such a shame that there's so much that gets glossed over in the movies in no. terms of the werewolves. I know. Just give me the, like the werewolf movie. <laughs> like just like give me the same movies, but just all of it from werewolf perspective. That'd be great. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. So, I feel like we got to keep going with the characters because like the these books are. That's that's what it is. Like it's the characters, yeah. and I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about our girl Alice. Oh yeah. That, <laughs> because she Yeah, go ahead. Like well that that was like the one a fascinating character because she has like this future vision. Um which I mean that's a pretty self-explanatory power. Um but um like Ashley Green, like the way she's portrayed mm-hmm. in the movie, I actually really liked how she came across. Uh you know like she really sells her as a likable character. I mean, even Charlie likes her by, like, what was that? Uh, New Moon, I want to say, or is that Eclipse? Yeah, yeah, yeah. New Moon. Yeah. I'm sorry, it's fading from my memory already. Um, I know, it's like, which one's which one? I get them confused. The naming is just stupid <laughs> to me. It's called Twilight 1, 2, 3, 4. <laughs> like, <laughs> but yeah, but... Like, Alice is a, is a supremely fascinating character, another one that has, like, one of those fascinating backstories. Yeah. Her backstory, unfortunately, gets 100% cut from the movies. Yeah. Which I think is a little bit disappointing because of the similarities that could have been between Bella and Edward. So for those who aren't super well-versed in the crazy backstories of the Twilight characters, (laughs) (laughs) in the first movie, there is the antagonist vampire James, played by Cam Gigandet. And his whole thing is that he's a tracker. Like his his skill, his magical ability is that he can track. He can find you. That is his thing, whatever. It is revealed that he had actually encountered Alice before and she is the only person to ever have escaped him. And the reason that she escaped him is because another vampire had saved her. So she was a human girl who was, crazy because she was having like future vision she got stuck in an asylum and james was after her so in order to save her from james this other unnamed vampire turned her and left her there so she has no memories of her human life 
she just wakes up sees a vision of her with the Cullens and with Jasper and she's like cool I guess I'm gonna go there like that's <laughs> crazy yeah. And she was actually to James what Bella was to Edward in terms of the irresistible blood. Like her human, human Alice was that to James. Mm-hmm. And that's the only other time they refer to anyone as being like that person's person. What? Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's a bit nuts. Like, especially if that, that never would have made it into the movies. Like you don't even get a hint of where Alice came from. Yeah. None of it. It's so sad. You get every, pretty much everyone else's story to some degree of the, the main Cullen clan, except for Alice, even though she is the Cullen, yeah. besides Edward, with most screen time, which mm-hmm. I find really interesting. Yeah, it, it really is. Like, you even get some of Carlisle's background. Mm-hmm. And mind you, like, I'm, I'm not one to say no to, any, to anyone's background that, in, in that franchise, because, again, they are all of them fascinating characters um but at the same time yeah i do agree that it's it, it is crazy that alice dallas has never got it in there yeah it's a crazy parallel it's yeah it's interesting because then it in the movies it seems like this relationship this like i don't know what to call it it's called um bella is edward's singer because her blood sings for him like that's the phrasing for it it's just like her blood is the only blood that is the most irresistible to him and they don't, they mention it, and then they're just like, that, yeah, that's a thing. But they don't really talk about other times that that's happened for somebody or what that encounter truly is. Like, it's, it's really interesting. And I think by glossing over that, they don't actually do justice to Edward's self-control. Because it's not yeah. just he's hanging out with a human. He's hanging out with a human that feels like she's specifically designed for him to drink. Mm-hmm and like murder (laughs) and he kind of says it in that line of like you're my own personal brand of heroin but it doesn't have that impact it's not addressed again like Mm -hmm. he's just suddenly like cool with with her blood and with like touching her and it's like we're good it's fine but it's it's this immense self-control it's like painful to him to be around her so when she does eventually get turned into a vampire we don't get to see as much of that relief from him because he's like it's safe now. Like I won't murder you. Um, but that's just me complaining about everything because that's you know. I mean, I would to do. Be, to be fair, there's a bit to complain about with this franchise, but for <laughs> for for as much as we're talking about what they did right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I know that both of us had a thing with uh, Renesme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So. Bella's half human half vampire daughter (laughs) yes okay so my problem here's my problem why is it that the werewolves look more realistic than the freaking baby oh yeah the baby to me i'm like that's fake looking the wolves i'm like yeah that's a wolf (laughs) like that that doesn't make sense (laughs) they they the baby is supposed to be beautiful but it's half human half vampire if you're able to portray the vampires as real actors Mm -hmm. then why can't you portray a half vampire half human as a real baby and not this mutant thing it's also nuts especially considering that that's the same like the same set of movies where like they uh like they cgi thinned out kristen stewart for her deterioration that let's have a moment for that 
holy moly they nailed yeah. it they nailed it like it, was it doesn't nuts. come across nearly nearly enough in the books in my opinion because mm-hmm. it's kind of talked about through jacob that she looks terrible in this and that but to see it actually oh my god she looks nasty yeah and yeah and like that's and it looks all, good the, yeah the, the cg like, that was all cgi right like and it was like the, that department knocked it out of the park and, and like in terms of doing that character that way because like it's almost mm-hmm. It's almost visceral, is what it is. Especially, like, like, get to the end of Breaking Dawn Part One when, like, she has her fall. Yeah. Oh, nasty. Yeah. <laughs> Even yeah. the scene right before that, when she's about to take a bath, and you see her remove her robe, and you see her from behind, and just mm-hmm. the cut, like, of her shoulder blades and like her her spine sticking out, like it's really, it looks inhuman. Like she looks yeah. so skeletal. And it's it's perfect. Like it looks believably disgusting. Oh yeah, and I, and I think this kind of uh, comes back to something we had talked about earlier, and that like, I mean, the production value for the movies it, it really does. Is it, like each one is a step up from the last one, mm-hmm. you know? Like obviously, like new, from Twilight to, to New Moon, that is night and day. But like by the time mm-hmm. you get to Breaking Dawn, it's like you said, they're they're almost proper blockbusters. Mm-hmm. Um, like the visual effects department just keeps getting better and better as the movies mm-hmm. go on. Oh, absolutely. And of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about the music. Um, oh, do it. Like, 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 not just the, you know, the licensed soundtracks or whatever from whatever bands they bring in, or whoever mm-hmm. songs they bring in, which are fantastic as playlists, but also the score, like mm-hmm. from, you know, where you get to Twilight to where you get like the more ominous tunes in Breaking Dawn. Like the soundtrack, it just gets better and better every time as well. And like, mm-hmm. I'm a sucker for a good soundtrack, and obviously, but like, yeah, like that, that's like, if you do stick with the movies, like that's, it gets better uh, mm-hmm. on a production value. Oh, significantly. Yeah. Just, just the scale on which they're creating things, just it goes up. Like you go up yeah. from, you know, you got the one wolf. You're seeing Jacob on screen. He looks decent. Like it's, it's believable. And then you see like. You know the final the final scene and you have i think like 14 15 wolves on screen you have like just so much happening and everything looks good like it looks i mean mm. that movie came out they came out in 2011 2012 right so like they're older at this point they still hold up oh, they're yeah, they're still believable enough to be passable as movies i guess yeah. which speaking of that scene um that like because the breaking down part two at the end of breaking down the book there's this almost culmination between uh vampire witnesses with the with the werewolves backing them up and the volturi and their witnesses meeting on like this open plane which is a scene from the books which fell flat for me because it was almost like leading up to something that just didn't happen the way it's executed in the movies however it became worth it you know what i mean well i think the note of like besides everything we've already discussed, a very, very notable difference between the books and the movies, there is not a single action sequence in the books because Bella doesn't witness anything. She's passed out when the Cullens fight James. There's no fight when they visit the Volturi in Italy. She is not there for the confrontation between the newborns and the Cullens slash wolves. She only witnesses the Victoria um, the Victoria fight there so there's a mild mild action scene there and then there is no full-blown confrontation in Breaking Dawn yeah this is where the movie completely 
does kind of its own thing, but then also not its own thing. Cause it does a little bait and switch with us. Of course we have our good buddy, Alice who can see the future. Yeah. And it was a choice for them to show the viewers in full what her vision was. So that's what the final confrontation in Breaking Dawn actually is. It's, it's a vision. Just kidding. It's not real. <laughs> but because up to this point that it has never been shown in that way, the reaction that I had when I saw that fight, because I, had no, I didn't know that that was a thing. Yeah. I had no idea. I just read the book. I know there's not a full confrontation. I know no one dies. I know it's all happy ending. I was distraught. <laughs> like actually like it hurt my soul because you see like they don't shy away from killing your favorite characters in yeah. that fight like, like think, it starts with carlisle dying yeah like and this is a character that in book and movie is non-violent he does not want to fight he is a pacifist he is such a beautiful peaceful character yeah and you see him like he engages in the fight like he get like the Volturi grab Alice they're gonna kill her or take her or whatever Mm -hmm. and he just he goes to fight and he just gets straight up murdered immediately like doesn't even there's no battle there's no fight he just is dead and then it just deteriorates from there like I knew it was gonna happen because you'd made the joke and I I I actually didn't connect this you accidentally kind of spoiled this for me (laughs) thank god you did because you'd made a joke about Seth dying and i was like i know seth doesn't die because he's my favorite freaking character he is the (laughs) precious small bean that every other character talks about how pure and good he is Mm -hmm. i know they don't kill him they kill him in that fight and he dies just so tragically like he gets his wolfy head snapped and then you see wolf leah's reaction and like to me that type of like a, a sibling reaction or a parent reaction to a child death will set me off like that is the thing that just breaks my soul i was like i'm watching stupid twilight movies i'm getting emotional (laughs) over the wolves getting emotional like when i see leah like leah wolf get mad i'm like get them leah you go you avenge your little brother (laughs) yeah (sighs) yeah they're actually doing the final battle they go off like almost every character who has been in the the series to that point like who's on that field they have a moment yeah that's kicking ass or just getting wrecked yeah it gives like it's a lot of i would not necessarily fan service because they murder like they murder our faves mm-hmm. but it gives you all the things you've kind of been hoping were going to happen when you've seen these confrontations and you've seen like these oh maybe they're gonna fight maybe they're not gonna fight that scene gives you all of that you get to see not to the fullest extent but to like the best of their ability you get to see the full power of the gifted vampires yeah. So seeing Benjamin, Rami Malik, cool. Yeah. Seeing him split the ground with that big fissure and then just like the vault, like the lava at the bottom, that was insane. Like, excuse me, is he the Avatar? Because he, I thought he, <laughs> for some reason, I remembered him as just an Earthbender, but then he's also doing fire, like he's doing all, yeah, he's it's like controlling all, all the elements. Yeah. That is the most overpowered. Are you joking? Like, <laughs> forget Alice. I want Benjamin. Like, he's crazy powerful. You yeah. get to see them really, really do that. And you get to see Zafrina do her like visual hallucinations. You get to see, I forget, not Tanya, but her sister. Um, uh, is that Alina? No, I'm trying to remember. No. Either way, one of the Denali sisters has like yeah. the electricity power. And you get to see her really, really use that as well. 
and oh like even though it's such a bait and switch and it doesn't make sense for reasons i'll get into that fight scene yes yes i loved it i loved it when it i liked it when it rewound and i knew it wasn't real that i liked yeah. it <laughs> The thing I will say, like, that doesn't work for that. There's a, there's very clear established rules to how Alice's visions work. And the two key things in those visions, she can't see the wolves and she can't see Renesmee. She can't see them. Anytime they're involved in something, she doesn't see that future anymore, which was the whole reason New Moon happened the way it did because Bella jumped off the cliff and she couldn't see Jacob save her at all, mm -hmm. period. So how did Alice have a vision of a huge fight, which was like 50% werewolf, and then also see like the vision of Renesmee just like growing up and living a happy life? She wouldn't, she literally would not have been able to see those things. Yeah, there's so. definitely like some very, <laughs> uh, like th those I would say are very fan service decisions to, they're made in this for the sake of the movie. Yeah. And you know, like, on a pure movie sense, yeah, I get it. But yeah, it, it does kind of break some key rules there. Yeah. I wish there had been a middle ground where the altercation that happens in the book, which is more of a mental fight because it's Bella using her shielding powers um, against Jane and Alec. I wish there had been like a slight physical fight in that. So it still happened, but just not to like this all out war. I think that would have sat better with me. As opposed to like, here's a vision of all your faves getting murdered. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so this is something that happens in both the book and the movie that had a lot of fans pissed off, rightfully so, I think. <laughs> um, so in the final book, we get an explanation for why Jacob and Bella get so attached this whole time. Besides their friendship, um, it's actually because Bella was growing on little baby Renesmee the whole time. <laughs> and Jacob was just waiting to imprint on a little baby. So He's waiting genetically to imprint on a fetus. Straight up. So for those who I guess don't necessarily know or also don't pay as much attention in the books because it's very glossed over in the movies, imprinting is when a werewolf meets the love of his life. And it's a it's a her, because at this point all wolves are men. So when he meets her. Every other tether that ties him to the earth is cut. And she's the only thing that ties him to the earth. Like that is the description. Their world, his world is her. He would do anything, be anything for her. In the first couple of books, we've seen wolves that have imprinted. In the case of Sam, he's imprinted on Emily, who is his age. They are a functioning adult relationship that is consenting and safe. Then we see. Will, I'm trying to think. We see one of Edward's uh, best, or sorry, one of Jacob's best friends imprint on a child. Will. Yeah, he imprints on a child um, who's two years old and then three years old because there's a conversation of, oh, she's in her terrible twos. Oh no, she just turned three. So he's imprinted on this child. So his whole thing is he's going to be whatever this baby needs. I'm going to be your babysitter. I'm going to be your brother until you're old enough. And then we're going to continue the wolfy line yeah there is a conversation in the book that does not happen in the movie that makes us very 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 problematic jacob and leah are having a conversation of why they think imprinting happens and jacob thinks it is to strengthen the wolf genes because it's pointed out 
that Sam and Jacob, the two alphas, the two biggest wolves, are bigger than any of the wolves that have ever come before them. So imprinting is actually to like genetically enhance the line. Therefore, imprinting is for recreation, sexy time purposes. Mm-hmm. Think about that when he imprints on a newborn fetus baby. Yeah. It gets into very weird areas once you actually start to analyze it in those respects. Yeah. It's like the legends are so good. And then they do that. As I honestly yeah. think I was, I think it was Stephanie Meyer's way of like being like, oh, I made Jacob. He's such a cool character. And you don't want to like lose him. What's my excuse to have him around? Yeah. The baby. Why not? Yeah, a little baby girlfriend. Nasty. <laughs> Nasty. I hate it in both yeah. the book and movie. It's both bad in both. Yeah, I'd agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, um, so speaking of the legends and you know, touching on all the the werewolf stuff or whatever, I think especially I I don't know, I think I would be very remiss not to touch on the Quilliet tribe and the way they're handled in the movie because I had vastly different reactions over the course of the past decade plus now that this franchise has been out. Um, and I mean, my, myself as a, as a, as a first nations, uh, as a first nation and Christians guy, audio listeners. Hello. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I know that when this, <laughs> I know that when uh, this franchise first came out and I think in some ways I still have the general reaction of that being a sort of uh, step forward as far as representation goes, because up to that point, uh, I don't, I just didn't see myself in movies like that. You know, uh, the, 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 it was probably one of the first stories in a major in a major blockbuster series where you saw First Nations characters who are majorly like who are by the vast vast majority played by First Nations actors like. Taylor Lochner, Graham Greene, um, you know, who, who... My boy Seth, played by Boo Boo. His first yeah. name is Boo Boo, and I adore him. It's amazing. Uh, but yeah, like, you know, like these characters in this sort of franchise who have human stories, who have human characters. So it's not about, like, say, the stereotypical images that you've seen in for First Nations people in the past. You know, it's not uh, Howdy Chief or, you know... Uh, not to get into more serious uh, subjects here, it's say the the drunk living on a poverty ridden res- reservation. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you've, you've alluded to in the past. There's romance. There's actual human romance. There's character that's developed. So, I think in a way, Twilight will always have that sort of soft spot for me. Um, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's hard not to recognize that there's a ton of appropriation that happens on mm-hmm. Stephanie Meyer's side. Um, in terms of say taking Quilliet legends and um or even like the Quilliet people themselves and moving them into this sort of uh franchise you know being the emotionally driven uh supernatural uh, beasts in these things you know mm-hmm. we turn to wolves when we're angry you know that's the joke for your sure. audio listeners <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> um and i mean t- even going beyond that, to my knowledge, I don't know how much royalties the Quilliet tribe themselves have even gotten from the Twilight franchise. I know that was a hot topic for the a good while, uh, shortly after the, the final movie's release, anyway. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I've always had this sort of complicated relationship with Twilight, and that it's it's native people having human storylines in a major blockbuster franchise that's not say you know the one superhero who's a tracker in x-men oh i'm like i can't even think of who that is Uh, i'm blanking on his name um (laughs) yeah (laughs) you you see my point Um, yeah (laughs) uh, and actually for that matter i I think suicide squad had uh like um I'm blanking on his last name. Adam um, Adam Beach was in Suicide Squad, and he was barely in there. Mm. Um, so I don't know. Like it was. I mean, again, native characters who actually have human storylines. Jacob is his own character. Seth mm-hmm. is his own character. You know, but at the same time, it it is a weird one, just for those reasons I've listed before. Yeah, mm. that's so interesting. Uh, that in mind, our ultimate elephant in the room. After all this time, Team Edward or Team Jacob? <laughs> <laughs> um, after all this time, Team neither of them. <laughs> so my werewolf boyfriend, not actually boyfriend, because he's a literal child. So just the character I like the best of the world is Seth Clearwater. He is a spectacular character in both book and movie. I adore his precious little face. I love him. And then my vampire, see, okay, I had a different opinion before I finished the last movie, mm-hmm. because before that, my vampire boyfriend would be Jasper, because I adore him, but actually, it's Garrett. Garrett, really? <laughs> Garrett. There's something about him that I'm not gonna lie, I'm like, he's an attractive man. <laughs> like, he's, it's Lee Pace. Yeah, well, I mean, and Lee Pace. he looks great, like, and he's <laughs> he's actually a great character in the book he gets this really epic speech at the end that doesn't happen in the movie but mm. the speech like i'm picturing him doing a speech i'm like yes i love his character and the way he comes in being a human killing vampire and he leaves being a vegetarian yeah. i love that for him and he finds his girl he's like i will follow to the end of the earth woman i'm like i want you to say that to me so that's my <laughs> man i'm team garrett <laughs> and team Seth. <laughs> You know what? Uh, I think I definitely agree with you on the on the werewolf side. Uh, although, like, I, I have a hard soft spot for for Jacob in some respects, but Seth is the go to. He's 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 a he's an absolute he's a cinnamon roll is what he is, sweet little boy. Um, and my vampire is actually Alice, because mm. I love her character. I love the way she's portrayed in the movies. I just she's just great. She's a delight anytime she's on screen. She is. She's okay, precious as well. If for some reason no one else was born in this timeline, this timeline, if you will, and you had to choose Edward or Jacob, you used to be Team Edward. What are you? Now? No, I used to be. I used to be Team. Oh, sorry, Jacob. yeah, you, were, you used to be Team Jacob. Who are you now? I'd I'd still be Team Jacob. Okay. Old habits die hard, my friends. Yeah, you know what? I used to be Team Edward. After revisiting the characters, where where I am now. I would agree with you, Team Jacob, if I just Yay! Yeah, but of course, the reason we have these discussions, the entire reason we're here to begin with, is the ultimate question. If somebody was totally new to Twilight, had no idea about it somehow, would you tell them to read it first or watch it first? I would tell them to watch it first. 
it feels really? like a betrayal to me a little bit Miss um reader? honestly i know i love reading and i'm a reader and these books were hard to read i struggled to get through them this time they don't hold the same magic they used to we live in a different time where it doesn't necessarily hold up so i would say watch the movie first if you're really intrigued by any of the side characters then maybe you'll want to slog through the books but like the books are a lot like there they they're are. a lot <laughs> they're huge like that's heavy <laughs> and they're not the most fun to read truthfully because they're not that action-packed it's all about that like weird gross relationship between edward and bella that doesn't work in these times so watch That's the movies really interesting maybe read the books also <laughs> i i feel like as a woman my opinion's slightly different because i'm more troubled by how problematic edward is i think oh yeah he's hella problematic in both iterations really mm -hmm. what about you same question uh i think this one was a lot easier for me just because i would agree that the books are hard to get through uh, even as someone who's usually all for the sort of like, you know, the love triangle, who will she pick and all that, vampires, <laughs> werewolves, um, I would say watch first. Um, I mean, for, and uh, especially with respect to like, you know, even, I'm not going to say that watching the first Twilight movie is easy, but they do get better from that point forward. <laughs> um, and I, I would agree with, uh, with Michelle in the, in the respect that if, any of the characters catch your attention if you want to get more into just who what makes who who they are i mean we've talked about how much backstory there actually is to these mm -hmm. side characters uh, mm -hmm. if you're particularly caught by the characters and you and you really want to know more then read them but otherwise i would say watch the movies we did it that's it so Thank you so much for watching, everybody. Please leave a like, comment, subscribe. Let us know if there's anything else you want us to read and watch and talk about and dissect immensely. <laughs> uh, of course, I have been Michelle. I have been joined by Ashton. And we will see you in the next one. Goodbye. Bye.